0: Guy, Matt King. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to our podcast Unfortunately, for some, our topics that we talk about may be offensive to some people The topics that we discuss could also be triggers, and we want you to be aware of that If you are in need of help, please talk to a professional, a family member, or a friend We are not medical professionals, and we don't claim to be We are just two guys with a microphone and a platform. Please listen with discretion. Welcome to This Time in History, guys. I'm Matthew, and I'm here again with another episode of the 2022 Municipal Election Interviews. Starting in July, it's going to be two interviews every week right up until the election. And with me today is Emma Cunningham. She's running for School Trustee of the Durham District School Board. Welcome to the show, Emma.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So this is your opportunity to introduce yourself, maybe a little bit about yourself, and ultimately answer the question, why are you running, why this election, and why now?
1: So that is a big question, Um, and the answer is that I've always been very involved in partisan politics. And recently, I have fallen out of love with the idea of partisan politics, and decided that... It's much better to be self affiliated where everyone can stand for what they believe. Um, but as a result of that, there's no longer really an opportunity for me to back someone else. Um, sure, I could volunteer for someone on a municipal campaign, but there isn't really anything to do on the four years in between the election cycle. And for me, I, I need to be involved with politics. It's something that I feel so passionately about. Um, so I decided that means I need to be a candidate. <laughs> And, you know, I have, I have two kids in the school system. Education is something that's very top of mind for me, particularly as my kids have been virtual the past two years. So seeing how DDSB has been able to flex and adapt to those circumstances, and I've been quite impressed with what they've put together, um, I decided that was the issue that I was going to focus on and that I was going to really narrow down on that. And so trustee felt like a natural step for me
0: that's amazing you know i've always wanted to run myself and a lot of the things that you're saying i can really really relate to um yeah so what are some of the i don't know if you've started door knocking yet or or speaking in the community but what are some of the school board concerns that you either know about or you've been told about
1: Uh, Yeah, so I went out last Saturday to the Bay Ridges Neighbourhood Festival and shouted up a bunch of people there. And I'm going to start formally canvassing uh, next week, and door knocking, which I'm very excited about. Um, All my lid is shiny and new and ready to go. Uh, Some of the issues that are are top of mind for me. So um, the DDSB was working on a human rights policy um, with some anti-racism work that I felt was extremely important. And unfortunately, one of the Pickering councillors spoke out against the idea of white supremacy being taught to children. And I think that learning about Canada's colonial history is something that is so important for all of us to do, because when we know our history, we do better in the future. And that was one of the other things that motivated me to run, is that I didn't like what the Pickering trustee was standing for. Um, And so that... Honestly, it feels like a responsibility for me to run when I don't like what other people are what other people are saying. Beyond that, I think bullying is a really key issue as well. I think the DDSB actually has great policies about bullying. It's just that they're not always being followed through on. And so finding ways to help schools be able to actually follow through on that bullying policy is really important to me. You- and honestly, just supports that everyone needs to thrive, making sure we have EAs in the classroom, make sure Making sure that we are teaching anti-racist materials, that we are being inclusive of multiple faiths, multiple races, and really having a safe space for everyone to be their best.
0: Are you saying that uh, that there currently uh, that there is anti-bullying and anti-cyberbullying um, policies within the, the Durham School Board?
1: Yes, there are. Uh, cyberbullying could certainly use an update, but I feel like cyberbullying and Internet in general is one of those things that needs an update every five minutes just because of how fast the Internet moves. Uh, but there are. There are a lot of bullying policies. We talk about, you know, zero tolerance, but there is often a tolerance, and there shouldn't be. There
0: was a, That was actually my next question. Is there a zero tolerance policy, and is it being followed, or is it uh, on a case-by-case basis?
1: Um, I don't know that I have the answer to that, just because you're never going to get data like that from the schools. So all I really have to work off of are anecdotes. Um, I was talking to one parent the other day whose daughter was punched in the face. But because no one on staff saw it happen, to the best of her knowledge, nothing was really done about the incident. Um, I don't know if that's actually the case. It's possible that the school did do something about it, and it just wasn't reported back to that parent, as discipline sometimes isn't. Um, but they felt that nothing was done about a, their child being punched in the face. And I find in general, if it's not seen by staff, it's not always followed up on. And bullies need help, right? It's not all about punish the bully. It's why are they bullying? What's the reason behind the behavior? How do we, how do we really fix this in a way that, that helps everyone? Where are they witnessing bullying behavior? Where are they feeling weak? Why are they lashing out like that? And how do we fix that in a way that helps the bully as much as the person they're bullying?
0: Absolutely. I have a friend whose son was bullied at the beginning of the school year, and um, he he didn't want to go back to school. He probably missed, I don't know, three weeks of school. And when he finally went back, they, you know, the, the other kids, they got in-school suspension because the the... Teachers didn't see anything, but they couldn't deny that something happened once they looked at this at, at the boy that got bullied. And um, when they got back, or when, when the kid got back, you know, he was... They hired a, a social worker or a guidance counselor or something to um, speak with the child. And um, I don't know if it's by way of leading questions. I don't know because I wasn't there. But I was told that uh, the kid... You know, the, the, the guidance counselor or social worker was like, well, tell me some of the things that make you nervous. And the child responded, well, you know, my dad, you know, he kind of yells oh. sometimes. And then they wanted to involve child protection services. And I'm just wondering, what where where is the line in terms of uh, when it comes to stuff like bullying and then, like, because it happens on school property not to say that the school w- should be held accountable, I'm just wondering um, what your thoughts about that are, and anything you want to add on uh, on that topic.
1: So I can say that I have called both police and child protective services on students in the school, uh, not in any role as a trustee candidate, just as a parent whose daughter actually overheard something that made her uncomfortable enough and me uncomfortable enough that it, uh, we felt it was worth reporting. Um, I think you should always err on the side of keeping the child as safe as possible. However, we do also need to remember that racialized people are often treated significantly worse in the system than white people are. So it's important to really keep that in mind and make sure that there is a legitimate reason of concern for that child's safety before you start getting anyone involved. It has to be quite serious before you make that call but if you do have to make that call don't hesitate that ultimately you have to do what needs to be done to keep that child safe
0: and while we're on the topic i mean um i just want to talk about the differences in 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 terms of times like when i was a kid my mother had most uh you know severe mobility issues so i was eight nine years old walking to school myself uh and now you know we live in a day and age where if you're 15 minutes late for picking up your kid that could, that could have some serious repercussions up to and including, depending on the teacher and the situation, a call to child protection. And I'm just wondering your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so I I haven't run into that one myself personally because my kids have, um, before COVID went from school to daycare and we were able to pick up on time. So that's not something I've run into myself. I think if you're late once or twice and you make sure to call and let the Will know what's going on. Uh, they're not going to call CAF on you. But if it becomes a pattern and you're regularly late, um, then maybe they are going to do something about it. Or if you're really late and you don't call and they don't know what's going on, at some point, you know, the teachers can't keep them overnight. So at some point, they're going to have to look into an alternate solution. And unfortunately, that solution is children's aid. There's really nowhere else that they can go. But I do think they make every possible effort to reach the parent and find out what's happening before they make that phone call.
0: Is there room to have the conversation about possibly updating the the policy or procedure um, that, that I guess, currently exists, is, is what I'm trying to ask?
1: I think there's always room to improve or change any policy. They should always all be living documents and updating as you get new information and think of better ways to do things.
0: Absolutely. Uh, moving along, um, I want to talk a bit about the budget. I don't know um, if if that's a principal issue in terms of the people that you talk to, but I um, I know that specifically the city of Toronto, I know you're in Durham, but specifically the city in Toronto, the city of Toronto is going to be faced with some very, very tough decisions because we're bleeding money. So I can only assume that it's not just the city of Toronto, it kind of is everywhere. And I'm just wondering um, if you're aware of any budget concerns, if you can share any of them. And, and what do you see in terms of the budget for the future of the Durham School Board?
1: Uh, I think there's always going to be budget concerns. I think no matter how much money you have, you're always going to have to be really thoughtful about where each dollar goes and ensuring that it's going to the right place. Uh, Pickering or Durham recently released a budget that had some pretty high line items for getting kids caught up after two interrupted years of schooling. I think that is incredibly important. Um, Durham has done a phenomenal job in how they've handled virtual school. Um, Unlike some other boards where they've had hybrid education, Durham actually created an entire school board specifically for virtual learning. So you have your own principal, you have your own teachers, everything is completely dedicated to being online, and they've entirely adapted the way that they present curriculum so that it's optimal in a virtual world. I did
0: not know Um, that.
1: Yeah, they've done a fantastic job, but something like that costs a lot more money than, you know, slapping a a camera in a classroom, leaving a teacher to flounder. Um, I think it's unconscionable that they put teachers in that position. I I think there's no way for them to win. And I think, you know, that's somewhere that is worth investing the money, and I think Durham has, has really nailed it there. So I think that they are doing a very smart job of allocating funds to sensible places.
0: Absolutely, and um, this next thing I want to talk about—it's—it's—it's it's, it's old, but it's new again because it, it apparently it's topical again, and it's the subject of community resource officers in schools. I'm just wondering um, your feelings on the subject, and um, again, what you see in terms of uh, safety measures for the district school board—the uh, Durham district school board.
1: I have mixed feelings on that, to be honest. Um, I think it's important for police officers to see what communities are like. I feel that if we don't let them into any spaces, then they have no real-world knowledge of how anything exists. At the same time, we do know that Black and racialized and Indigenous people are less safe around police. And that's something that we have to be really cognizant of before bringing in unsafe people into spaces where they should feel safe and they should be prepared to learn. Uh, we know that in the event of police involvement in school, the, uh, the result is different for a white child versus a black child, and I think that's something that we have to be very careful of. Ultimately, I would say I don't think they should be there.
0: Well, you're not alone. Um, in terms of safety measures, because I don't know if you're aware, but Since the horrible tragedy that happened in um, Texas... um, Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. My daughter's playing the piano. Um, Sorry, so with the horrible tragedy that just unfolded in Texas, I'm not sure if you're aware, but... There was an incident, it's a minor one, but there was an incident in uh, the, the city's East End in Scarborough. There were a couple schools on lockdown where a guy, they thought he had a rifle and it turned out to be a, um, a BB gun, but they didn't yeah. know that before they, they killed him. And I'm just wondering, in terms of safety, like lockdown procedures and stuff like that, uh, is, that, is, is it another case of um, procedures that need to be updated, or what do you see in terms of uh, maybe suggestions that you're hearing from the community uh, for, the, for the school board?
1: Well, I'll say I can't speak to what happened in Scarborough because they haven't released a lot of details that I think are very key,
0: mm-hmm.
1: such as did he drop the BB gun when asked to? Did he put his hands up? Um, but again, we know that when it comes to black people, um, the results are not as good. So that is saying something. But beyond that, in terms of, of incidents in school, it is certainly much safer here than in the state, just because of our gun laws. But this goes back to bullying. Uh, we see most of the time that these people who are who are getting into schools with guns and, and causing unspeakable harm are usually the results of social isolation and bullying themselves, and interventions early on make a big difference there. And by really enacting that bullying policy and focusing on the why behind the behavior and not just the behavior itself, that's how we head off things like this. That's how we head off crime. That's how we head off really any problem in our society is taking the time to understand why people behave the way they do and working to
0: solve it absolutely absolutely and um because you're running for the school board i ask all the school trustees this question it's it's kind of old but i like to um get your feeling on the i guess it's now the former controversial uh um sex ed because it's not controversial it's not so controversial anymore um and i'm just wondering your feeling on that uh anything you want to say
1: I think that it's incredibly important that LGBTQ people are represented in the curriculum. Um, I don't think it's reasonable to hold off on educating classes about trans people until later in school. Um, I have a nephew who came out trans at age two, and his class needed to learn about that because he is there and he is trans and he exists. And it's not reasonable for a teacher to have to say, oh, I'm sorry, we can't talk about this until grade eight. Similarly to that, uh, talking about sexuality at a young age is really important. Are grade twos thinking about, you know, their future sex life? No, but they are maybe thinking that Susie has two dads. And that's something that we need to be tolerant of because, again, that can, that can lead to bullying. If people don't understand what that means. So it's really important for these things to be addressed early on so that children grow up with it just being part of life and not something that leads to isolation and mistreatment down the line. Um, So for sure I think that's important and then as we get to the older grades, um, then when we get a bit more into sexuality, you know, there was a lot of of complaints about teaching kids about um, sexual practices that are very common in gay communities and LGBTQ people, gay people, need to learn how to have safe sex, too.
0: Absolutely. You know,
1: teens, young adults, they're going to have sex. And it is the job of parents, it is the job of schools, it is the job of society to make sure they know how to do it safely.
0: Absolutely. I uh, I fully agree with that. I think the most, for me, the most important lesson in all that is is consent. And, uh, you know because when i was a kid you know they never taught consent in school and i think consent is a big big piece that was missing for for a very long time um the other stuff it's very very important it's all important it's just a matter of you know i have heard uh some parents say well, you know, it should be taught by the parents, not the teachers. But then you, you get parents that won't teach it or won't okay. teach it the way it's supposed to be taught. And I understand that. So, But uh, for, for me, consent is a big, big piece.
1: Absolutely. That's something we've tried to teach our kids from, from day one, making sure that they want the hug, that they want the kiss, that they want the cuddle. Um, it's something that we struggle with because uh, my daughter's 10 and my son is 6. And if he wants a cuddle and she doesn't want to have a cuddle, he'll cry and she'll feel bad and she'll, she'll cave. And that's when my husband and I step in and we're like, no, absolutely not. You don't want to be in a cuddle right now. And his tears shouldn't make you have it. Um, and it's something I worry about very much because she does have a hard time saying no. And it's really important that we get that lesson in her brain now before it leads to some serious harm down the road, and these are very vulnerable to predators.
0: Absolutely. And uh, so where can people, do you have a website yet? Where can people find you and and read your, do you have any uh, material released?
1: I do. So my website is emmacunningham.ca, not .com, .ca, and on there I have a short, little clip about
0: what i'm all about i have an extraordinarily long bio <laughs> and i have a platform that's amazing um i, I did uh, browse through it but i wanted you to tell the listeners about it and um is there anybody sorry i always ask this question i ask it to all the um candidates you can pass if you like but um is there anybody running for mayor city council that you'd be willing to endorse at this time
1: I am a big fan of Maurice Brunner. Uh, he actually endorsed my campaign, and I would happily do the same for him. Um, and there is a candidate who is yet to put her name forward, but is getting her signatures for uh, for Ward 2 that I would love to endorse again. Um, I can't release the name now, but if, if her paperwork is filed before this airs, um, I will let you know.
0: That's amazing. And, um, you know, what do you see in terms of uh, the school board in the next for the next term? And then for yourself personally, what, what do you see um, if you're successful at this? Maybe, maybe a run at uh, city council, regional council, mayor? Uh,
1: so for the school board, I think there's going to be a real focus on inclusivity. Okay. I know that's somewhere where my heart is and where I want to focus, but it's also where a lot of conversations are happening right now. Um, particularly when it comes to black and indigenous people. But at the same time, I'm Jewish. My children are probably going to be the only Jewish children in the school. And I've been a bit of an active activist in Durham region for Jewish education as well. So that's something I'd like to see. Um, Just being really inclusive of all religions, all faiths, all abilities. And I think the rest of the school board is certainly with me on that direction. Um, As far as I go for my future um i mean never say never but i suspect this is sort of it for me i don't have any desire to leave my day job um and being in city council being mayor being in going back to partisan politics all of those things require a changing career and at least at this moment in time that's not something i'm
0: well, it's been very nice talking to you. Thank you so much for agreeing to this interview, for trusting me to be able to facilitate it. I really appreciate it. I wish you nothing but luck going forward for uh, on your campaign trail. And uh, you said uh, you were going to be um, uh, door knocking very soon. Yes, I am. That's amazing, and I, I wish you all the luck. And uh, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I tell, I tell all um, a lot of my interview uh, candidates. I guess, uh, inter, um, election night for me is like it's like Christmas. I get a, a bag of popcorn and you know a pop or whatever, and I sit there and I watch each individual ward. And I'm not just talking about for Toronto because I live in Toronto. I I look for the surrounding. And obviously, because I'm doing this whole interview series, I'm interviewing people right across all Ontario. So I'm going to be watching and cheering right along. uh, You know, I'll be on the sidelines, but (laughs) I'll uh, I'll be cheering for you.
1: Thank you. Well, you're welcome to come to my victory party. It was wonderful talking to you today.
0: You have a great day. Thank you so much.